Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? That's good. If you don't know me, I'm Frank Giles. I have the role of kind of heading up and, and leading our music and media things that we do, our ministries here. Um, and I also study at Bible College. And while we're in this period of transition, I've had the great privilege of being able to step in front of all you guys a little bit more uh, and, and learn how to bring God's Word. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. I got the opportunity last week. If you were here last week, you saw Pete come down and uh, by all accounts, he was himself, which was a good thing. Um, and he preached, and I preached at Playford Uniting, where Henry, our interim pastor, is from. I really enjoyed and, and grew a lot from that experience. So I'm very thankful for that. But we're in school holidays, so everyone is in the same ship together this morning in this room. So if, if you're a kid, and I'll, I'll try and be as short and as funny as I can be, not that that should be every preacher's aim, but it would be a good start, um, there are colouring sheets, colouring in sheets down the bottom that you might have seen. Uh, so if you're that age, there are some word searches, some things to do. So uh, you could take your pick and feel free if you're, if you're tearing through them like nobody's business during the middle of this sermon. If you get up and, and find some more, I won't be offended. I'll try not to be at least. Um, but this morning we're taking a break from our series on seeing Jesus, seeing Christ our Lord in all of Scripture. And we're just talking about my... Well, I'm just talking about my favourite psalm, Psalm 126. <clears throat> and I want to bring its message to all of us um, as it's shaped me over the last couple of weeks of preparing for these, these two sermons. And I want to bring its message of, of joy and of hope um, amongst our fortunes being restored by Christ, but also looking ahead and anticipating even amongst the hard times, even amongst the tears uh, and the grief or the shame, all of those things, anticipating the joy of our restoration in Christ, because I think this, what, this is what the psalm is talking about. And we all know a little bit about what it's like to have a bit of joy restored in our lives at the moment, isn't it? You look outside and it's sunny. It's great. Last weekend was a long weekend. And who, who enjoyed themselves and the, and the weather last weekend? Did anyone do anything special? I was talking to a couple of people tearing up roofs and putting skylights in and um, getting jobs done and enjoying the sun and especially with daylight saving, there's that extra time in the evening so if you're working a bit later, you've got a bit more time to enjoy yourself and I, I don't know about you but for me, that just it brings something alive in me that I didn't know had died during winter. I thought, was I that sad during winter that, that the spring, the return of spring and the, and the good weather has brought something alive in me, has, has made me feel this joy that I didn't even know had gone away? I think we can all kind of share that optimism and that hope that this good weather uh, brings, even despite the beginning of last week's. What, what was that about? All the rain and the wind. Anyway, we live in an imperfect world but we need the rain as well. I think for our lives, it can be very similar, not just with our seasons, but, but all of our lives, for, for our own emotional um, and spiritual lives as well. Often, 
Often we can know about the salvation, about the joy, about the restoration of our lives that is offered to us by Christ. But so often there are, there are dark, cold, damp, blue places in our lives that have just kind of frozen over. Um, that because of our, of our grief or because of our shame, well, I'm sure we all share different things. But because of that, we just think, oh, that's, that's too hard to bring before God. There might be things in your life that you say, oh, God's not really interested in that at the moment. It's too hard to bring before him. And so I'm just going to tuck it away. It's, I'm, I'm going to live with that, but I'm going to tuck it away and we'll deal with that later. Maybe on the other side, we'll deal with that. But what this psalm talks about is that Having our fortunes restored is a whole life restoration. And this psalm really is an invitation. It's really an invitation to remember the way that our fortunes have been restored. And I was doing some thinking about remembering. And I was thinking about what it is to remember. And I think remembering has two kind of focuses. Remembering is obviously recalling, right? You're looking back. You're thinking about what has happened. But remembering is also an active thing. It's also anticipating. It's also looking forward. So this psalm is a psalm of remembrance. It's, it's remembering what God has done. It's about looking backwards. But it's also an act of remembering God in the present and in the future, of looking forward and anticipating what is to come. So the psalm itself is a pilgrimage song. It's a psalm of ascent, which, if you know a little bit about ancient Israel, the ascent isn't just a nice word. It's about where they were going when they were singing this song. I remember as a little kid, I used to go to uh, Mount Kosciuszko National Park with my family. We'd drive, we'd take the Turago um, across a couple of states and head there over summer. And we had this tape the Tarago was old enough that it only had a tape player. And we had this tape, and it was a yodeling tape. And I still have the melody in my head about this yodel. I'll save you the agony. But I wonder if you have songs, um, maybe rhymes or games that have stuck with you because they're things that you do when you travel. And for the Israelites, the Psalms of Ascent were their travelling songs. They were their pilgrimage songs as they went up to Jerusalem Wherever you are in Israel, if you want to get to Jerusalem, you have to go up. You have to ascend. So as, as they all came from their different places, they would walk and they would go up to Jerusalem and they would be singing these songs, remembering what God has done for them by recalling and looking forward, by anticipating of what he was yet to do. And so... <clears throat> I really want to dig down into this fact that it's, this is a walking song, this is a travelling song. So, are there any kids who, who want to get on their feet and help me out with this? Yeah? Do you want to, can, we, can we all just come down and gather in this corner right here, if you want to come? We've, we've got to go on a journey, we've got to go on a walk, if you want to fall in behind me. <laughs> everyone's, everyone's, yeah, thanks. Does anyone want to come? Parents can come too. We're just going to go on a journey. And actually, we're all going to go on this journey. We're all going to go on this journey. And what this journey needs is some traveling feet. 
all right? What this journey needs is a steady beat, a steady walk. The bleachers will be really nice for this, actually, though. So if you can all stamp with me, kids, as well. Let's all pretend that we're walking up to Jerusalem. And so this is a song. It's got a beat behind it. And I think I can imagine that the beat is the people journeying up to Jerusalem. So if we want to follow with me, and they would have sung it in Hebrew, but we're going to sing it in English. If you want to follow me, and we'll walk up the stairs. All right, we ready to go? Ready to go? Follow the leader. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. All right, up we go to Jerusalem. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing sheaves with him. Well done. Let's, let's give all our little pilgrims a clap. Well done, guys. You've made it up. You're a bit lost along the way. Home's that way. Only made it to Jericho. But can you see how this is a song that would have been etched into people's mind and they would, have, they would have lived it just as much as they sang it? And the reason why I wanted to do that is because this is a song of freedom. Because what the first line of this psalm is talking about, this, this first line just tells the whole story of what they're remembering. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. Now, Zion, in this context, just means a high place. And it's the highest place in Israel, right? It's the, it's the place where God met with his people. And the reason God met with his people is because if we're looking back, we're talking about King David. Everyone know who King David is? Uh, the little boy who killed Goliath with the slingshot, with, the, with God on his side, who got, who got made into a great king and brought all the people of Israel together not just, not just politically, but also uh, culturally and socially. And he made Jerusalem the center point of this nation. He made it their capital. David was a great king, not just because he was a man after God's own heart, but because he solidified Israel um, as, as a nation and made it great amongst other nations. And that was always God's plan, that to give people this land, the land of Israel was going to mean that other people around them were blessed. But we all know, or maybe you don't, but we had a pretty rubbish run of kings after King David. You know, they used this power and this place where God would meet with his people, and they used all of its social and its cultural, its political, its religious capital, and they didn't use it for blessing Israel and other nations, but they actually used it for subjugating, for putting people down. And this isn't what God had in mind when he gave, he, he gave his people Israel. And this isn't what he had in mind when he, gave him this, when he gave his people this gift. And so there were consequences. God said to his people, you're going to be exiled to Babylon. 
Not because Babylon was a great power, but because they had disobeyed the word of God and had failed to use this gift that they had been given in a way that benefited everyone and honoured the one who gave the gift. So they got exiled to Babylon, but God said, after 70 years, you will return. And so this psalm is set after those 70 years, after Israel returned from exile, they were able to go back up to Zion, back up to the Temple Mount and worship once again. And there's the sense of freedom, of liberation that they had when they remember when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. They'd been restored to this this God dream, right? They'd, they'd been restored to something that they themselves couldn't have imagined or couldn't have possibly have achieved, but yet God had ordained it. And so when it happened, it was too good to be true. Truth is stranger than fiction sometimes, and, and this is the case for the people who are living in freedom and able to travel freely, able to worship freely uh, back in their homeland. And so this God dream... This truth is stranger than fiction, turned to laughter and to joy. In verse 2, their mouths were filled with laughter and their tongues loose and tongues with shouts of joy. I was thinking about joy and, and this sermon is all about joy. And The first thing that came to my mind is the amount of sermons I've heard for people saying joy is not happiness. Uh, has anyone heard a sermon like that? Joy is not just being happy. Maybe that's true, but here the psalmist is saying when God restored their fortunes, when they were free to worship him once again, it was a happy time. It was good times all round. The tongues with shouts of joy, they couldn't contain their mouths and they, they, they sang, they laughed this, this joy is not just something that's deep-seated inside of them. It's actually something that's expressed. So their freedom is like a dream. And the dream turns to laughter. And the laughter turns to joy. And what joy is, is that it's a witness. Right? Then they said among the nations, in verse 2, the Lord has done great things for them. This is... This is the other nations who are looking in on Israel and saying they've been freed, they've been set free. They're, they're worshipping uh, God back where, where he, he chooses to meet with his people. And that's, that's Mount Zion um, at the temple. Then other people can't help but notice what has happened in Israel's life as a nation um, and individually. The Lord has done great things for them, the nation says. And they agree. The psalmist agrees in verse 3. The Lord has done great things for us. You know, that's, so often we, we receive compliments or we, something different about you. Um, and we're quick to dismiss the role of God in the way that we live our lives. But here the psalmist is saying, yeah, this is God. This is the Lord. He has done this. He is the one who's brought us out of captivity, restored our fortunes, and given us freedom to worship him. So if we're asking the question of where did my joy go, well, for the Israelites, when their freedom was restored, when they were able to worship freely and able to sing and laugh and dream again, their joy went out because people noticed it. 
Where did my joy go? When we remember what God has done for us, our joy goes out. Our joy is expressed. I was thinking about a movie called Into the Wild, where this young man, he's about my age, in America, that's based on a true story. He decides that living within the construct the confides of his society, living with, with a Medicare card and uh, a driver's licence and, and people knowing where your address is, is just all a bit too much for him. And so he shreds it all up. This is in America. He goes on a road trip. He doesn't tell his family where he's going. He's, he's lost to the world, seeking happiness and peace. And he ends up in Alaska in this abandoned bus um, in the middle of winter and he, and he kind of survives the winter. But he ends up dying because he, he eats a berry uh, that's, that's poisonous that he didn't know because he's a boy from the suburbs and he doesn't know the first thing about living out in the wilderness. But they found his diary, and on the last entry of his diary, he says, happiness, or joy, is made complete when it's shared. He'd gone searching, he'd found it, he couldn't tell anyone about it. No one knew what he had found. And so we, people were only left to pick up the pieces. They couldn't hear the witness of what he'd found from his own mouth. And so when we remember what God has, when Israel remembers what God has done for them, there's no doubt that other people are within earshot. There's no doubt that other people are listening. So when we remember our restored fortunes. If you're a Christian here, if you're following Jesus and you know what his death and resurrection has done for you in restoring your life and your relationship with God and maybe your relationship and your relationship with others as well. When we remember our restored fortune, for us, where's our Zion? Where's our place where heaven and earth meet? Where's our high place where God wants to meet with us? And Jesus, by his life, his work and his, his death and his resurrection on earth, tells us that our hearts are the place, are the high place where God wants to meet with us. And the reason I say this and the reason that I think this is because he was always on about love. Not love as you know, um, a pop song, love. But love as an allegiance, love as a desire, um, love as an everything, love as the way that we live our lives. So we'll go to that uh, p passage from Matthew on the screen. This is Jesus talking to the Pharisees and, and the Pharisees ask him a question and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus is saying you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart because that is where he wants to meet with you. That's the place where all your affections um, are, are directed. And when you love God and you know who he is and he, you allow him to know who you are, 
then you are able to love others. Then others can see the Lord has done great things for you. And you can say, the Lord, the Lord has done great things for me. I'm glad about it. I'm joyful about it. But a challenge comes, I think, in the fact that we can really only love one way. And so many things in this world will, will try and manipulate our hearts, manipulate our love, because we can only love one way. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, we often love by remembering, don't we? When, when we, when we want to um, give our allegiance to something, or we, or we want to fully support something, you know, that, that, the more holistic idea of love, we remember we remember what's happened. What, what am I basing this love on? Uh, what's, what's the proof? What's the action? What, what part do I play? And then we anticipate, we look forward. You know, how can I express this love? Um, what's there? Maybe, maybe it's a selfish love and what's there for me? Or maybe it's a selfless love and how can I serve others? But often we love by remembering. Often we love by looking backwards and then looking forwards. And the danger of this one way to love is that it can be manipulated. I'm going to give some really stupid examples that I found in my life that my loves are manipulated. I was thinking about the new Lord of the Rings TV show that's come on Amazon Prime. One measly episode of 40 minutes a week that I devour as soon as it comes out, and then I'm left sitting there thinking, what's to come? My love is dependent on that, looking backwards and knowing and, and being part of the series and also looking forward to that 40 minutes at 3 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. It's not like I'm, not like I'm really obsessed with it at all. <laughs> Lucky I don't do much on Friday afternoons. Or I wonder if you've, you've online shopped and you've, you've gone on with a purpose and you know exactly what you need to pick out, and you're like, that's a good deal, Amazon, I'll begrudgingly give my money to you, um, and you, you put it in your checkout, and you see underneath, have you forgotten anything? Or people also, remember, people also in your boat bought this. They're telling you, oh, remember, is there anything that you've forgotten about um, what you wanted? They're, they're, they're manipulating our hearts to, to look back, to try and remember what we wanted, and then to look forward and think, oh, maybe I could use, what was I buying the other day? Anyway, maybe I could use that, and, and our loves get disordered. Or finally, even, even rolling into a fast food restaurant like Hungry Jack's. We, we know what we want, we order it, and then that question comes, is there anything else? And our hearts are forced to consider was there anything else? I don't know. Let me remember. Let me, let me search my heart and think what I wanted and then be like, oh, I could do with an extra bag of chippies. Anyway, our hearts can be manipulated. And like I said, they are really stupid examples. But that's the way that our hearts are manipulated. We've got a game of hide and seek going on as well. That's all right. We're the generation that can always do more than one thing at once. Anyway. 
So where does our joy go? Well, the world knows that our joy goes with our loves. Wherever our love goes, our joy follows it. And so that's why Jesus in Matthew offers the greatest commandment. Not don't buy anything from Amazon or uh, not don't anticipate something coming out that you really would want to see or you're excited about. But love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is the greatest commandment because Jesus knows that your joy, the thing that other people see and other people can kind of attach to the work of God in your life, that's where it comes from. And that's why we need Jesus. And that's why in the second half of this psalm, we're going to conclude with, with an encouragement of a looking forward and anticipating what God has to do in our lives despite our shortcomings. And so we're not going to do any of the quotes this morning. Um, I don't think we've got time for that. That's all right. So like I said, this psalm is an invitation to remember, to look backwards, but it's also an invitation to remember by looking forwards, by anticipating And that's what the psalmist does in verse 4 when it says, Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Now, the Negev was the desert in Israel. And we, as South Australians, know a thing or two about not much water, about deserts. And what the psalmist is trying to do is paint a picture of a desert springing to life. Have you seen those pictures of... um, of deserts springing to life. When rains come, pools of water form, the desert blooms all of a sudden, birds flock, and it's alive. It's, it's what once was dead is now alive. And this is what the psalmist is asking. The way that you restored our fortunes back then, we remember it. We remember how happy and joyful and glad we were. We remember that we were living not in our own world, but in your world, God. Please do the same thing again. I think for us, if you've been reading the news recently, water is a, is a dangerous image for life because so much of our world at the moment is being affected by the, the what's the word? The perils or the, the, the danger of, of too much water. The east coast of Australia the floods in Pakistan, Hurricane Ian in Florida, we're acutely aware of, of the way that water can be a destructive force as well. But I was thinking, who remembers the drought maybe 15 years ago? Maybe you remember a drought before 15 years ago. Good on you. I don't go back that far. But the drought was where I learned to siphon because we would have our bath and we would have our garden bed, which was just a little bit lower in level to our bath. And I learned to get the hose and to, to suck until that little bit of dirty bath border came. And then you could put it onto the garden. Um, <clears throat> and that was, it was life bringing to the garden. But this isn't the image that the, the psalmist is saying. The psalmist is saying, from the heavens, not, not of our own filthy bath water, are we going to try and bring this desert to life, these, these dead and barren places in our lives to life, but from the heavens. It needs something beyond ourselves. It's looking for a restoration that once happened 
For us, that's in Jesus Christ, who died and was raised for our sins so that could be forgiven and we could have new life in him. Jesus, Jesus is our reign from the heavens. And we look to him to bring those, those in the psalm, it's the, it, the dead and the barren places, but maybe for us it's the cold and dark places of, of grief or shame that we've thought too hard for God. Because remember, that's why I said at the beginning of this sermon that that's what I thought the psalmist was addressing. That often we have these places in our lives that become shot off, become dry like a desert, or become cold and dark um, because of those blue, cold, dark emotions, like grief or shame, either communally um, or just individually. I was thinking about it for myself. For myself, it's my brothers. I'm the youngest of six, and my brothers uh, don't follow Jesus. I was just thinking about the way that the grief isn't really there anymore. I don't let myself feel that grief. And, and for me, I feel convicted that I do. Because the psalmist says, sow your tears. The psalmist says, those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. For those places of our lives that we think God's not that interested in are the very places that have restoration, that have redemptive potential, if only we were able to give them over and let God use them. So that's my encouragement for us this morning, is to sow our tears. If we want to ask, where, where did my joy go? We remember, but we also anticipate, so maybe a better question is, where does my joy go? Where does my joy go when I'm, I'm feeling hurt, either individually or maybe as a family, um, as, a, as us, as a community? Where does it go? It still has to go out. It goes out in tears. It goes out um, in loss or tiredness. It goes out in not caring. It goes out in bitterness but it goes out with a remembrance of what God has done for us in Jesus, in restoring our fortunes and anticipating him to do that very same work. Maybe it goes out in old age. Maybe it goes out in feeling not quite with it anymore or not quite relevant anymore. Maybe it goes out in young age, feeling I'm not quite prepared for this. In all our doubts and insecurities, our joy goes out knowing that those, those things have the potential to be restored by Jesus. It's never too late.